Hello, I'm Janine Vague. And I'm Ellen Siegel. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Today we're here to talk about Yes, uh, so we're going to be having a conversation today about ego versus intuition. Uh, what a funny way to get started on that topic. <laughs> Ellen, do you want to uh, start us out by talking about what is ego versus intuition? Okay, uh, I think I think what you just said is really uh, true. Uh, what a funny way to start out this conversation. So I think that when we're talking about ego, and I like the verses because they operate often um, as if they're opposing each other, which ultimately they may not, um, but that it's good to have the spirit of humor when talking about ego and intuition. Yeah, and I want to say that... Um just to get the ball rolling, the ego is where we all have an ego. Like, you know, you, you see so many videos about let's get rid of the ego and, and the shadow and all this kind of thing, but we all have an ego. So I want to like begin that conversation. It's not like we're trying to get rid of anything. Uh, we might want to become more enlightened and focus more on our intuition but we're always going to have an ego as a human being, no matter who we are, right? And I think that um, ultimately in working with the ego, and we'll talk more about how it sort of goes off and has a mind of its own, it feels like sometimes, that, um, that we can, what shall I say, disempower it from its inflated power. Mm -hmm. And so it can actually be incorporated within us in our minds as, as a resource rather than um, <clears throat> in command of our, I'm going to say our life, let's say. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, and then intuition is more that feeling that you get, you know, shivers up your spine, or suddenly this quiet voice comes to you when you least expect it and says, turn right, or, you know, <clears throat> or don't go in there, or something. Something is saying, um, you know, you're getting that feeling that something doesn't feel right, or you're hearing a voice or something. That's the intuition. And, um, and so ultimately, the way I've been taught is that you want to try to strengthen the intuition and work towards becoming a more enlightened person. Mm. Uh, and uh, from, from where I come from, it's like that the intuition is there and it's a matter of shifting your focus or actually taking charge of your focus so that you can discover it. Um, and it's always operating. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I mean, this is a good place to say in that Be Happy No Matter What book that, um, that it helps you zero in to notice where you've always been getting guidance from your intuition, but have have most likely overridden it, disregarded it, 
thought it was just like a passing thought and um, gone ahead with other things that seemed um, more driving in terms of your decision making. Um, something else about the ego. Oh, uh, in in my experience, um, or what I've been the the education I took and continued to consider whether it's useful or not. Uh, for me, I've seen the the egos. Um, approach to things as limiting, which may have started when we were children and it was protecting us by limiting our behavior that might get us into uh, um, uh, situations that um, were scary or, you know, protecting us from being punished, you know, to, to sort of uh, curl into yourself and not speak out when you saw that other people who were speaking out were getting punished. So the ego uh, in a helpful way uh, was limiting our behavior. And then as we grow into adults, we become sort of habituated into listening to that particular voice uh, is another way to look at it. And then as we grow, as you were saying, to be in more favor of uh, discovering and substantiating and moving into really valuing that um, whether it's truth chills or a clear directive of um, that you can sort of perceive is more true. I don't, I don't know. Those are just some ways to think about it. And that would be the intuition. Yeah. And the ego um, also, when you're speaking of growing up, it can be destroyed by, um, <clears throat> in other words, I'm talking more in, in regards to your self-confidence, your self-worth, um, and also your sense of self. Like, um, the, like there's a healthy thread yeah. that's not limiting, that's um, uh, also self-valuing in developing a healthy ego as you're growing. Yeah, but if you're if you're uh, growing up in a traumatic household with um, chemical dependency or mental illness or um, abuse, uh, physical, sexual, emotional, all those different things are going to work towards destroying the ego <clears throat> and causing you to form that sort of mindset where your um, the chatter is happening in your mind, you know, well, my mom said, I can't do this. Um, and, uh, or my mom said, I'm stupid. Or my dad told me, you know, women don't blah, blah, blah. Um, then that that's sort of forming this, um, <clears throat> these racing thoughts that begin to occur in your head that happens with people who've been trauma survivors. So that, and, and I think you were starting to say that by the time you become an adult, it becomes your reality. You begin to think that that's true, what you're hearing in your head, um, that you're stupid or you're um, not capable of, or you're worthless or, or whatever. You know, as you're developing, it's, it's forming, 
your your ego is forming, your racing thoughts, your your uh, mindset is forming, and then um, uh, and then what's happening is the um, you are also interpreting what you're hearing from your family as you're growing up and creating this other mindset that's becoming clear in your head. Am I saying that correctly or am I running on at the mouth? No, no, no. <laughs> Everything that you're saying, I believe, has, has value. And there's many things in that bouquet of what you were saying. I want to track back, though, to clarify something because I see both of us. Um, there's a little bit of a thread tangle uh, in the field of psychology that we both studied. There was the ego um, and the super ego. Right. So great. That's such old news, you know, for where we are today. And so when we talk about in that context mm. of psychology, there was the um, concept of the ego, a healthy ego, um, that uh, self-valuing and things like that. Mm -hmm. So as I grew in, in being exposed to other ideas, because um, the ego we're talking about, I was focusing on ego versus intuition and ego as a limiting um, <clears throat> origin of thoughts, um, uh, got a little mixed up with what a healthy ego is as a child develops. So that's two different types to me of definition. Um, and that, so when we look at somebody, when we look at ourselves in our psychological development, the ego can be crushed by um, those imposing behaviors of others when we're kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, and to me, that's different than we as adults um, when we're operating from the ego and operating from intuition. Those are both valid contexts, but I think from my mind, it's looking to me now that they're separate contexts. The uh, growing up ego and ego strengths, we learned about ego strengths mm -hmm. and um, Certainly, we go on and support our own and others' strengths, and and sometimes those strengths are uh, come up through the intuition. So, intuition versus ego. Now, after this part of our conversation, means to me, um, it's like two different operation systems, and operating in in an adult operating from um, ego. Uh, it's more simple to me to think about that as limiting because um, then because we there's also the concepts for as an adult, you know, somebody who's egotistical. Yes. You know, yeah. Narcissistic. Yes. You no, know, that's like an overblown <laughs> ego, egomania, those kinds of things. Well, and, I kind of see that as kind of like on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've got narcissism, uh, psychopath, um, but you and then, and then you, you got egotistical. There's different like places. Right. And so early on in that development is everybody's healthy ego. And mm -hmm. then something happens. 
to mess it all up. To mess it all up. Yeah. Great. So, so when you're, when you use what you're just saying, so where does intuition fit in that? Well, I, I believe that that has to do with self-awareness because if you are uh, able to get, if you're able to um, strengthen the intuition, if you're able to get to a place as you're working toward becoming an, an enlightened person where you can say, oh, wait, that's the ego. Um, I need to s- separate that. I need to, or, or I think you like to tell clients, stop, I don't have time for that today. <laughs> Isn't that, I, I think I've heard that from somebody who's come to see me and they've said, oh yeah, Ellen told me that I should do that. <laughs> well, it's, it's placed in a deliberate, um, it's not a blanket stop. It's yeah. if the person has shared with me that they're looking to make a shift uh-huh. that then I encourage them and show them the way to, to take inc- control, to incrementally notice mm-hmm. where to make that choice. Cause that's a very sophisticated place to be where you're at a fork in the road and you can actually perceive that if you go down this path, you like spiral into something, you know, about stories or the the path that you're trying to get out of. And if if you're able to stop, you know, that's also in a spectrum. I mean, how many times in my life, you know, would I like to stop doing something? Yes. That I know is is really better for me to stop, but then it takes forever, you you know, and to... To sort of take a magnifying glass to your inner experience and notice what what is the pivot point or the decision-making point. And even when you find it to choose uh, to follow your intuition or for some of us that have been habituated Uh into our early limiting behaviors and out of of feeling afraid and protective, it takes many tries for some of us. Yes. Choice. So, well, yeah, especially like uh, when you're dealing with a heartbreak, when you're uh, dealing with depression, when you're um, when you've lost your job, you're going to sink into a place and you can choose. OK, I'm going to stay here in the ego for a little bit and deal with this emotion and deal with the pain that I'm going through. And then you get to a place where you feel, okay, now I'm ready to step above this and step out of the ego right? and be in um, a healthier mindset about this. But that's Um, self-awareness. And when we talk about narcissism, they don't have self-awareness. They're not able to step away and hear it and and internalize, okay, um, I need to think about this. What just happened here? They're not able to do that. They're going to stay in the blame, which is um, why we uh, talk about their ego and, and people think about, okay, here's this person with an ego, but they never talk about, but we all have egos. We just have different ways of managing those egos. We have self-awareness or we don't have self-awareness or there's different levels 
of self-awareness, um, you know, because I often tell people when somebody has mental illness, they have a narcissistic trait because their, their mind is focused, they're so focused on that or um, the depression or the bipolar, they're not using medication, they're not in therapy. <clears throat> so it's becoming everybody's problem because they're not taking care of themselves or somebody who's an addict and they're um, dealing with that situation. Um, this is just such a multi-leveled, uh, multi-layered, sorry, um, topic. It's not like a, it's not like a black or white, right? Oh, right. And there's so many important things that you just talked about. So anyone who's watching our conversation, um, uh, I just want to invite you to uh, not take these labels and assign themselves to yourself in a limiting way. If you hear a little kernel of something like, oh, I might have that trait. Like Janine was saying, it's a spectrum and a range. We all have all these traits. Yeah. And if you discover that there's something you'd like to change in yourself, well, then get some help. Janine, me, whatever, get some, somebody else, get some help to zero in on that and then undo it. Um, Work on it. Because, I mean, you know, for me, <clears throat> integrity is very important to me. What does that mean? Say what integrity is. Integrity, well, it's, that's also multi-layered because integrity can be professional integrity. You know, that you have a certain way that you believe you should dress to go to work, um, that you should be on time, that you should behave a certain way in the workplace. And personal integrity, um, you know, you make your bed, you brush your teeth, you take a shower every day. Um, and of course, that's cultural because in some cultures, they don't take a shower every day. That doesn't mean they don't. Let me just interject something here. But it's possible for somebody to do those things and not have integrity. They could do those behaviors. Give an example. Not out of integrity. Give an example. Oh, keeping up an image. Okay, I'm yes. supposed to do these things. Mm -hmm. But then they may go out and do something that's totally not integrity, like um, exploit, exploit people. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, somebody so who's a pimp. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> you no, know, I, I want I, for our viewers to, to hear more of where that goes. Um, well, and so also with personal integrity, it's it, it can also be like what we were talking about in the other video, staying true to yourself in a relationship. So personal integrity to yourself. Say that again. Stay, staying true to yourself. Yes, in a relationship, but staying true to yourself. I think you're at it. Yes. And so that's another level of integrity that each, um, and, and so when you're working towards having integrity in your life, you're examining, you're having this self-awareness every day to look at different facets of your life. <clears throat> and you're saying, am I in integrity with what I'm doing here? Is it serving me? Um, am I being true to myself in this relationship as, as a professional? Am I being true to myself in my profession? 
Um, with my household, it's more, um, is this serving me the way, you know, should I put off vacuuming for another week? How is that going to affect me personally, my integrity, when I'm going to be um, coughing or sneezing um, because of the dander coming into my 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 mouth and my nose? Am I taking care of myself? Exactly. Exactly. And and is it creating less clutter in my mind? Because um, if you're not taking care of yourself that adds to the clutter that goes to your mind. You're, you're, you're saying to yourself, um, oh, I have such a filthy house, or I shouldn't be dressed like this, I shouldn't be acting like this, what have you. That adds to that clutter, you know, something's wrong with me. What about, where um, is honesty, like honesty with oneself a yeah. factor? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that's where the self-awareness comes from. Um, I don't know why I didn't even think to say that. Um, so having honesty with yourself, having that self-awareness, I know for me, uh, my whole life, I don't know if that happens to everybody, but um, in my whole life, whenever I've started to do the wrong thing, something inside of me is saying, are you sure you should be doing that? Or I'll say something and then I'll hear something like, that's not true. And then I'll think, well, wait, I didn't word that correctly. And then I'll restate it. Um, um, but also loyalty, not just honesty. Wait, before wait, we go, before we go there, I just want to highlight something that you just shared uh -huh. um, for anyone who could use that. The way that you described that inner conversation, mm -hmm. that is, that, um, what, what I heard was the active observer who's, who's observing the conversation saying, wait a minute, that's not true. What is true? Or yeah. what, what are better words to just more? And, and I love the, the love this, um, what are better words, but it's what are more accurate words yes. to describe what this is that's going on. And then you get, you get to the, uh, it's like um, solving an equation, uh -huh. you know, where you get it down to, or the common yeah. denominator where you like get all the fluff out of it and you get to the heart of it or the essence of it. So that, thank you for, um, for, for, um, verbalizing that and I'm so glad that uh, whoever's watching this could see that because uh, that's available to all of us to have that kind of, um, I want to call it a rational conversation in our mind with, with sensitivity and questioning and um, that's a great way to be within ourselves yeah. and it really gets you far. Yeah. Well, I just, I feel um, living from integrity, um, it's what's served me in my life. You know, I mean, I, I, I focus on this. I'm always thinking to myself, um, should I be doing this? Or like when I get into the ego state, as we know, you know, I've kind of been through a crisis in the last year, but part of it, I was choosing it. Um, and I knew that, I mean, I was not part of it. I was in denial, but that was me choosing that as well. 
And, um, but I kind of like some of it, I was playing with it to see where it was going. Some of it, I got so stuck in it that um, there were moments when I like, it was hard for me to get out of it. And, um, but there were times when the intuition would come in and say something to me that would, you know, that would clarify something, a question that I had asked the day before of myself, or maybe I asked it 15 minutes ago. So I would get these clarifications. And in that moment, I knew, okay, I can choose to sit with this, or I can go into denial and let it go and pretend it never happened. That's how we work on strengthening that intuition is by choosing in that moment, okay, yeah, all right, that is true. Am I going to continue to sit in this denial and, and um, uh, work on this ego? Or am I going to think about that thought that I just had and um, become a better person as a result of that? The other thing that you just, I think another avenue of strengthening our connection with our intuition, I loved what you said, asking a question, um, you know, being curious how to get out of a situation or curious about why we're in a situation or all kinds of other, how is it I'm feeling this way? I, I, there's like a million questions you could ask, but in your mind to ask a question and then you said, well, you know, I might get an answer in the next moment or 15 minutes or um, the next sometimes, you know, sometimes I have people write a little note, put it under their pillow. And then a week later, they see something on a truck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it goes, Bing! oh, that's the answer to that question I asked last week. So posing questions, those are really posing questions mm -hmm. for the intuition mm -hmm. or that true to yourself voice. Mm -hmm. um, to send a response and then and then you see the response. And um, the other thing is that to make the commitment that you and I have both made and many others, that we are interested in expanding our awareness. Yeah. So that sets up our own experiences, even if we dip into denial, because sometimes that's the best way to get into a new situation to learn from because you wouldn't go in if you if you saw it, you know, and later maybe we won't. But um, so, and we go in a little half conscious, but while we're in the situation and you shared this with me a lot, I mean, yeah, you almost lost yourself in there, but you knew it. Yeah. You had the awareness to know. So to me, that is a goal to have that much awareness where we're really thinking on our feet while we're in difficult situations. Yeah. And that's what I try to, when I'm working with clients, and I know you do too, when they're talking about their pain, it's actually something I learned from another therapist many years ago. And she was talking to me about going with the pain. Mm. You know, you, you're, it's like you're riding it like a surfer, riding the wave. Mm. You're riding that... <laughs> You're you're riding that wave of uh, of pain and suffering. Okay, where are we going with this? And uh, who was it? I'm I'm doing a workshop with um, Carrie Sewell on Insight Timer right now. Very enlightened young woman. Um, 
And she was talking about, you know, she suffered a terrible car accident and um, she went to all these different healers and things like that, trying to find the answers and she wasn't getting it. And so then she finally realized she had to work on it in herself because that's the best place to go is, you know, I mean, we have doctors to help us when we're ailing, here, take a pill, whatever, but you can also work on it in yourself and try to find that answer. It takes a little bit longer than if you were to pop a pill. That's usually what I tell my clients. Um, yes, you can pop a pill in the meantime, because it's going to, it might take you a while to get through this uh, situation that you're dealing with. But, um, but ultimately, we're our best healers, right? I think, I think um, you know, we've all heard um, in the eye of the beholder that we, that, that no one can make us feel something that we don't have a receptor for. Yes. It's like we're the ones at the hub of our feelings and our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So we can use external things. Um, I've even heard that external medical help doesn't work actually unless something even unconsciously within you, the life force energy in you pairs with that. Yes. It's like you could have uh, somebody's body after they've passed away. You could pump oxygen into them. You could give them stuff, food in their mouths. There's nothing you can do external no. that of that nature to revive the person. So the life force energy, you want to keep fanning the flame of your own life force energy. And in the emotional area, like you said about popping a pill and you know, um, I guess for some people, that's sort of a bridge, mm. um, you know, and the, the thing is, you, for many people, you want to get to what needs to be unhooked so that you're not plagued with it anymore. Yeah. You know, because sometimes um, uh, popping a pill is, you know, it helps, it numbs you so that you could deal with certain things, but it also numbs the work that you can do. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and I just wanna say for people listening, I'm not anti-medication. You know, if somebody has a mental illness, uh, I know that's a very, I, I don't have one, but I know that's a very difficult life-consuming biological issue and um, <clears throat> not, you know, working towards being enlightened isn't something that happens overnight. So the medication is something that's going to help to take the edge off wherever they're at while they're so that they are able, because if you can't get out of bed, uh, you can't like even get into the shower, you can't even function, you, you know, taking that medication helps to take the edge off and then the person can function then I'm able to do therapy with them because they're able to actually move and, and be a part of the room versus just sitting there so totally collapsed that, you know, there's very little that they can do. So I just wanted to clarify that I'm not against it. I'm just saying, you know, it's a broad topic. Right. And uh, on that for any listeners, um, there's the work of Peter Bregan. He's a psychiatrist, B-R-E-G-G-I-N. 
and there's lots on his website. You know, there's, I don't think there's any other psychiatrists who actually have not hospitalized people or put them on medication and who help them get off. He's written a book on um, withdrawal from psychotropic medications for, the book is for doctors, um, people who use medications, family members. Um, but you would need a very extraordinary opportunity, you know, somebody to go to that house of that depressed person who can't get out and and talk to them there. And that's, you know, that doesn't seem to be how our world is set up. So, you know, we do what we can. And um, but getting to the heart of it, however, so and I think one of the issues with medications and it's just because we're talking about it, it's worthwhile bringing up that meant the idea that, oh, take a pill and it'll all go away or it's easier. Yeah, that's different from what you're talking about. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. so whatever troubles we're having, they're rooted in our early childhood faulty conclusions yeah. and creation of decisions about how we're going to be mm -hmm. from a little child's mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was growing up, um, in my family, uh, my maternal family, everybody was taking medication, they were going into the hospital, you know, I mean, that was their consciousness, <clears throat> which led me to being a, a holistic practitioner, because, you know, I saw all that, and I didn't see any of it working. I saw people, my, my, um, my eldest aunt, she died, uh, like, before my grandfather did. Um, and so, I mean, it was kind of like somewhere in my mind, I was like, this doesn't look right. Something's, something's just not right here. And I think there must be another way of doing this. And, um, and that's how I got into holistic, being a holistic practitioner, because it's like, I don't want to live my life in and out of a hospital. I don't like the smell of them. I don't like the energy in there. I want to, I don't want to be taking a whole stack of pills and so forth and so on. So, I mean, that's, that's, um, it's a mindset. I mean, that's like, that's kind of like how it gets formed. Well, and children grow up in, in situations and, you know, until they get older, they think that's how it is. Yeah. Um, and because you can accept, that's where the differentiation comes into play. Differentiating from your parents as an adult and thinking for yourself Okay, um, and that's not making your parents wrong. Oh, you're stupid. It's not about that. It's just coming into your own as, a, as an adult and saying, um, I see what you did, but I'm thinking there might be another way of going about this. Did you know at an early age that when you looked at what was happening around you, did you have any intuition? Like, even if you didn't have words to go with it, like there's something wrong with this or... I wonder mm -hmm. if, so yeah. how, how old were you that you might have had that? I have no, I have no idea. Oh, you, there are certain things that I can tell you how old I was when I made, when decisions came right. to me. But uh, that one in particular, um, I really couldn't say what age it was. Um, yeah. Because I, I had um, somebody I talked to recently knew 
like at three years old. Uh, they didn't know that that's what they knew. But later, uh, when they looked back in their life, they went, you know, I knew that there was something not right about this. And it was a similar kind of a situation that you described. Mm-hmm. And what that meant to me is that little children who are often disregarded yeah. for what they think and their sounds like they're babbling, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, in there mm-hmm. is um, a developed consciousness of some sort mm-hmm. that can see what's going on. And so, you know, anyone who's listening who are parents, um, if you're not already in your own mind validating everything that comes out of your child, even to ask them more information about it, that that's a good idea to do because mm-hmm. this is a thinking, observing person in a little body. So, yeah. Yeah. And what you're soon going to be discovering as your grandchild begins to grow and has a mouth and can talk, you, that's also holding us accountable. You oh, know, yeah. when my grandchildren come and hang out with me, sometimes I'm in that, what do you know, you know, um, but then other times I hear things and then it clicks and it's like, ooh, I was supposed to hear that. That was one of those things. That was a like one of those pearls of wisdom that, you know, God sent through my grandchild and said, grandma, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it hits me like a ton of bricks, like, ooh, that was, that was really important what they just said. Challenges my ego. But I think that's real that, and, and there's a place where we can bring some things together that when you were saying help hold accountable, that that's something that we're doing when we're moving into integrity, coming into alignment. I, I like to think of it with our true self. Yes. That true self. So, so, and, and so holding accountable, um, is, is coming when we can feel that it's like, and sometimes it has a twinge with it, you know, mm-hmm. that we're just moving and we're coming into alignment with, with our true self, mm-hmm. which the ego is like, you know, carrying on something else. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, when you look at age, um, I'm sure, uh, you were talking earlier, how old were you when you felt that way? I imagine when you think about yourself growing up, you can kind of see how you evolved from your self-awareness over the years. Each decade, it's like we climb up to this other plateau and look back and think, God, I thought I knew everything back at 40, right? I thought every I knew everything back at 30, back at 20. And, and now here we are, I'm almost 60, you're in the, uh, I don't know, maybe you don't want to say. Um, and, and so <laughs> I don't have an issue with it, but I, you know, I don't want to put you out. But, um, but uh, um, I just, I think that's also part of that self-awareness and, and being proud of yourself that wow, I'm so glad that I've, I've come to this place in my life. And, and I realized that if I had held on to that at this age, I would never be in this place that I am right now. Although I will say there are some 
you know, mindsets that I held on to for a few decades um, that uh, I realized later that is like, wow, I was holding on to that for those decades, those three decades or four decades or five decades or six decades, <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you think about that and that evolution of yourself, um, where your ego was at at two, at 18, at 25, at 36, and where your ego is now. So I... um I have a funny time with um, that voice. So that's become like a comic voice in my life. And that um, because my husband, Gary, is a humorist ah. and uh, he's, we've been together a long time. So together we laugh. That's because I still, I, it's so great. The voice comes up with like, are you doing what do you do are you are you doing that what i mean and believe me he's a very self anchored person and uh he knows what he's doing so um so he might look up he says oh is that expert ellen talking and he's <laughs> first out laughing and it's the funniest thing it's just the funniest yeah. thing and and years ago and he remembers too where I'd have my heels dug in and I was right. And I have to tell you, Janine, all those times I was not right. <laughs> I don't think I was ever right. When that egotistical part would come into play, I'm telling you, fortunately I had people around me who could reflect what, you know, reality, other reality, a common reality was, because mm -hmm. I was really well, <laughs> <but> <laughs> just takes work, folks. There's, and I know some people who have overcome very egotistical, narcissistic aspects that if they had a flicker of a something that wanted to get by it or past it or overcome it, that they're able to. So a great question to ask yourself is, what am I not awake to in my life? Yes. And, you know, and then you get some answers and that gives you some leads on your de self-detective work. Yeah. Yeah, that's very important to, to always be checking in with yourself. Mm. To always be doing that. Um, and um, so, so, yeah, so we've spoken a lot about the ego are we speaking enough about intuition? Well, that's a good question. Um, so, um, I think about it that the intuition is like less complicated. It's, um, so there's a lot more to say about the ego <laughs> because it, yeah. Get all tangled in there and talks to yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, so that's one way to look at it. And the to underline what, what's been said about the intuition, it's like um, a true self inner guidance. Mm -hmm. So if you ask a question, so we'll pop up an answer. Um, uh, sometimes people talk about a gut feeling. Yeah. So, um, and I did make a note of this, um, when a person is, um, 
focused in self-awareness, they could always check for an inner sense of yes or no. And you would have to find that. Um, I had a teacher who taught us once um, that if you just um, bring up a sense of no, the word no, that and where do you feel that energy in your body? Hmm. And then you sort of relax that and now bring up a sense of yes. And notice where you feel that in your body. And so then you can rely on that. So when you're not sure about something, that the yes, um, that the operation of that uh, is somehow in the realm of intuition, that you could get at um, an inner truth for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. the, the other advice that I got is after you set that up and practice with it, and you could use that in as simple a way as when you go through your closet in the morning, which top you're going to wear. And you just, yes or no, yes or no, yes or no, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or <laughs> what you're going to eat. or And then it's sort of something that you cultivate. And because then you sort of have faith in it. It's like that you have that. It's just connecting you with the intuition that you've used in other situations. Like strengthening um, it, you're strengthening your intuition because you're you're being guided by your intuition versus your ego. Right, and whatever you focus on expands. Yeah, that the energy. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a way to access that when you're, you know, you're you got one leg in the ego, but you really want to get to the heart of something because you know. Uh, that it's um, more beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Is there anything else to say about ego and intuition before we close? Well, um, I think something that I want to bring up is um, something that's always guided me over the years is remembering that there's no right or wrong. Um, and by that, I'm saying, and I like to point this out a lot, to people and my blog posts, I'm not right because I'm saying this on my blog posts um, and I'm just writing what I feel, you know, what's coming to mind. A lot of people like to say, oh, I'm just speaking for myself. Well, duh. Um, but, you know, it is important to say it in a, I like to say it in that way because then I'm saying um, I'm, I'm holding myself accountable. And saying, I may have strong feelings about something, but that doesn't mean I'm right about it. Or right about it for you. Yeah, it's right about it for me. And And the other, so that, and the use of the word right, lots of times in our environment, you know, like right and wrong, I've switched it to fitting. What is the fitting? So even when I say this isn't right for me, Mm-hmm. I get I've been trying to get away from right or wrong because it's judgmental because right is different for each person. So I've changed it to fitting. This is not fitting for me. Oh, OK. OK. I see what you're saying. Well, yeah. 
The reason I'm bringing into focus is right or wrong, because this is how our society is. Yes. Especially yes. the last two years. Yes. It's been about you're right, you're wrong, whatever, or actually. And, that, and that's totally wrong. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's been you're wrong and I'm right. And it's kind of like, wait a minute. You know, you're taken away from people's rights to have critical thinking skills. To determine what's fitting for them. For them, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think that's so important in a conversation about ego. Uh, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, that's fitting. And I like that um, as a statement for myself. Well, it's, it's, it's an alternative to that's not right or you're not right. Or that's the other thing. Just because something isn't right for me that someone else is saying that doesn't make the speaker not right right exactly and how many times have you heard somebody saying something and you thought at the moment well I don't like what they have to say because of one one thing or another the the dress they had on or the oh. hat the way the hat was tipped or the way they shook your hand or whatever but then later you thought about it and you were like well okay maybe I didn't like the way he looked but I did, that does, make, that does make sense what he was saying and I need to think about it. And that's generally, I find that happens when the intuition is like grabbing that sentence and keeping it inside of me and then throwing it out there at me again while I'm walking down the street or getting ready for bed. And suddenly I remember that sentence. The intuition is making sure that I remembered that. And it's bringing it to me without that filter of the dress or the hat or whatever. And now I'm like, ooh, I was meant to hear that. And, and I'm thinking about it and putting it in a different context. No, I think that's great. Yeah. So, and from that, for me, I might have the intuition, the in, a deep truth in me that there's something about that person I don't like. Yeah. but I don't know what it is, yeah. but that's separate from hearing value yeah. in what they're saying. Yes. Right? Exactly. So exactly. there's another, another twist on how intuition, how you can use it or notice it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And um, I always like that old, it's an old phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. There's the messenger and there's the message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and it's really maybe irrelevant whether I like the person or not mm -hmm. because I'm listening and is it going to inform any action I'm going to take mm -hmm. or something I need to do for myself or for a friend or, you know, where we've got tons of information coming in. And what you were talking about is like thinking critically about that. Uh, and it's very easy to be distracted by whether it's how the person presents themselves, whether it's something they're wearing or mm -hmm. how they're carrying on. I mean, there's lots of interesting and distracting things going on. And so what is it I really want to focus on? Right. Exactly. No, well, that's a great, great point. Um, Anything else we didn't include that 
could be included today, or I mean, we can pick up this conversation because obviously it took us in so many different places um, yeah. that I feel are important yeah. to focus on us and everybody. Yeah, there's just oh man, I, I feel like we could talk about this for another hour. Um, I think um, the conversation of being an enlightened master. Um, not everybody needs to be focused on being an enlightened master, but for me, it's like ego, as I was saying in the beginning, ego is something that everybody has an ego, right? Um, there are some people that have walked the earth who were enlightened beings, right? Jesus Christ, Siddhartha, um, Sai Baba, Dalai Lama. There are people that have walked this earth who had a lack of an ego. I wouldn't say that they don't have an ego at all because I've never sat with them before. So they we're never operating from it. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm sure there are. They've had their moments. I mean, you know, we've got the Bible to show us when Jesus had his moments of being angry and and upset with people, um, and and um, we don't see that as clearly in the other um, types of. Um, books or articles about these people but um so i don't think that we're trying to become jesus christ that's what i'm saying right but um or siddhartha or the dalai lama well, but we I, aspire we should aspire we could and i think uh, people do and i think a lot of people might not be part of their path like you were saying it's not for everybody um, but I think that certainly gives us the why of having this conversation. Even though we're having the why at the end of the conversation, because there's, um, there are some, I wanna say virtues, but benefits and enjoyable aspects to being like that. I imagine there would be. Yeah, like like no suffering. <laughs> like like um rising above pain. Um you know, things on the earth that we are plagued with mm -hmm. that 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 kind of an upgrade of mindset mm -hmm. and I'm sure we could have another conversation and maybe we will about how what a mindset is and how it affects mm -hmm. what our actual experience is. Um, but I think you brought up a great point about that that's uh, something to aspire to. Yeah. And, um, but you and don't have to. But of course not, because that's not, I mean, think of how many billions of people there are on the planet having unique experiences, even though, yes, we all have ego. Yes, we all have all the feelings. Yes, we all have challenges. Uh, yet, the, because there's so many of us and our lives are unique, that they're all configured in different ways. And so there's that much uniqueness, mm -hmm. you know, and that's another conversation that would be fun to have. Yeah. The, um, the conversation of uniqueness and commonality. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and different, pa- I'd love to have conversations where we talk more about things that are look paradoxical. So um, <clears throat> I think this is great. Um, do you feel complete enough for today? Um, I think so, um, yeah, I, 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 I think so. I think uh, we've, we've kind of broadened the topic. Um, we have uh, gone in different directions and showed different types of examples and um, and kind of covered ego versus intuition. And yes, there's certainly so much we could go much further with this. And so that's what we should do in a different conversation. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. So um, um, I know that, well... I won't speak for you, but I feel it together, how happy we are to share this conversation with anyone, anyone who's interested. interested And we have no idea what goodies you'll get from it. So, yeah. And we need this. We sorely need to the uh, cerebral discussions. Um, we need to get back to the critical thinking, to um, being alive. Being alive with heart. And so um, I would say we can encourage all of you to start these kinds of conversations with your friends and anyone who'll talk with you about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's bring this to a close. Until next time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.